Good morning. Hopefully, there's a PowerPoint. The first slide says Ezekiel. Perfect. Now, I've been given this little thing to see whether or not it works. So I'm just going to do a little test. Ooh, don't know if it's going to work. We'll see. If not, I'll just give, give a look and we'll make it work. Don't worry. Hello, everybody. It's wonderful to see you. Um, I hope um, you're feeling happy about being here this morning, but I'm also aware there could well be some of us just a little bit like frazzled <laughs> um, or just a little bit busy-headed. Um, not for everyone, but I realize this is that time of year for many where it sort of feels like another type of a new year, isn't it? And we're sort of kind of in a busy headspace. So um, this morning, um, as Rachel said, we're going to start to look at the book of Ezekiel. And we're going to be looking at this over the next couple of months. Um, So my, hopefully, my role for you this morning is to introduce you to this book, to to help you kind of place it, to understand where it fits and how it fits and and all about it, um, and to prepare us for these next couple of months, look at those first couple of chapters. Um, One of my things that I do a lot in my work life, um, I do quite a bit of of project management and sort of planning how we're going to do projects. And at the beginning of every project, my team and I tend to do um, quite a classic thing, which is where you talk through the sort of who, what, when, where, why, how, which I'm going to try again. Is it going to work? Are you able to flick it on? Not quite sure why it's not working. There we go. Brilliant. Oh, there we go. He gave it to me and said, just press the button. He never mentioned a switch on the side. Let's just check. Hey, there we go. Thank you. All good. Thank you. Brilliant. So at the beginning of any project, we do this kind of when, where, what, who, how, why. So as we kick off Ezekiel today, that's what we're going to do. We're going to get ourselves um, to understand um, where does it fit, when is it, what's going on, who's Ezekiel, how does it all fit together, and why does it even matter. Um, So that's what we'll do together this morning. We're going to start with the when and the where. We'll cover these together. Um, And we're going to do that in two ways. We're going to look at kind of the when, where in the Bible. And then the when, where in history and when in the kind of uh, Old Testament history. So here's the Bible. See if you can find Ezekiel. I'll give you a hint. It's in the Old Testament, so I'll get rid of the new. There we go. Um, Now, I absolutely love patterns, um, and I like things that help you remember stuff. And the thing I love about the Old Testament is there's a little pattern that helps kind of remember the way it goes. And it's numbers, and it goes 5, 12, 5, 5, 12. Um, And this image that I found, I was really pleased about because it color coordinates... (laughs) it and it color coordinates to the pattern 512 5512 so just to talk you through it I'm sure a lot of this is stuff that you know but it's just helpful to be reminded isn't it and so we have the first five books um, which are the pink ones you can sort of see in the top left Um, and those five books the early history the early history from creation through to the death of Moses Um, and uh, sometimes they're called the Pentateuch these five books Um, and they also they're setting out the law and the systems for God's people And then you have another 12, there we go, and these 12 are the Old Testament history books, the red ones, Um, and they tell the history um, of kind of from uh, Joshua all the way through, Um, and then you have another five, and these ones are sort of um, songs, poetry, wisdom books, they're beautiful and challenging in equal measure, Um, and I haven't got time to go into those today, Um, and then we have these kind of the last five twelve, and these are all of the prophets, the prophets of the Old Testament, the yellow five are called the major prophets, and then the green twelve are the minor prophets, they're shorter books, Um, and you might have already spotted it, but there's Ezekiel, the fourth of the five 
major prophets. Now, prophecy is sometimes this idea that we sort of maybe a little bit kind of out there, but to make it simple and to really, this is what it is. It's to hear from the Lord and speak it out, to hear from God and speak it out. It's not necessarily about the future. It's actually quite rarely not about the future. Most often it's about speaking into the current situation and the current circumstances. It can be about the future, and some of these are a bit more future-focused than others. Daniel, in particular, is very future-focused, but most of them are about these prophets speaking into where they were and what was going on. Now, what's really important is all of these um, prophets actually were living and prophesying during the Old Testament history. So during all of those red books that we have earlier on, these prophets are living at different times. And sometimes you can really easily place them and you can be like, it's really clear. Sometimes it's more complicated to work out when. But they're not separate. They're not like separate kind of tag-ons at the end of the Old Testament. They're actually embedded and fully part of that history. Um, and so it's really helpful to work out where, um, and we're going to do that for Ezekiel now, and work out where kind of in that Old Testament history he fits. So to do that, we need to do a little bit of Old Testament history. Hopefully we'll make this fun. I love this sort of thing. Hope you can indulge me. So we have God's chosen people, the nation of Israel, which starts as 12 tribes um, and then becomes a nation. And after a bit of wandering around, they finally settle in the promised land and set up home. And for about 400 years, they're led by judges, and that's the book of Judges that we have. And then they begin to be led by kings. And you have three kind of kings that we probably, many of us know, Saul, David, Solomon. And their stories are through 1 and 2 Samuel and early chronicles and early kings. And then <laughs> Israel has a bit few issues, and it divides, and it becomes two kingdoms. So you have the northern kingdom, which is 10 of the original tribes, and then you have the southern kingdom, which is two of the original tribes. So the northern one is still called Israel, and that's 10, and then the southern one is called Judah, and it's only two. And you might think, oh, well, therefore, it's obviously not that important if there's only two of them. But that's where the city of Jerusalem is. That's where Judah is. Um, and so it's still really, really important. And actually, there's a lot still going on in that area. So the northern kingdom um, has a number of kings. A couple of them are good. Most of them are bad. And after a little while, the northern kingdom gets taken by Assyria. That all happens in 2 Kings 17. Judah, the southern kingdom, lasts a bit longer. They have another kind of century and a half or so. But they have a very similar story. A lot of kings, a few of them good, most of them bad. And there's a lot of prophets speaking to Judah and calling them to repent and calling them to come back to the Lord. And most of the time they get ignored. And eventually, eventually Judah is defeated by the Babylonians. Um, and that's all under King Nebuchadnezzar, which is always a fun name to say. So this is a really key bit for us, and we get to 2 Kings 24. And what happens is Judah falls to Babylon, and it happens in three stages. So the first stage, but there's an invasion, and some of the captives are taken to Babylon. One of the first taken is Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den, if you're familiar with that story. So he's in that first wave. And then the second one, there's um, a sort of siege on the city of Jerusalem. And in that situation, the king, I've been practicing this one, King Jehoiakim, I think, Jehoiakim, who knows? He is exiled. So he's taken out of Jerusalem, out of Judah, and taken to Babylon. And then about 10 years after that, I'm sorry, the, the number's wrong on that. It should be 586, not 686. There's a final attack, and Jerusalem falls. So over this period of time, Judah ultimately falls to Babylon. And then Israel goes into a period of captivity for 70 years before they're able to return. 
Now, I said some of the prophets are quite tricky to place kind of where they fit. Thankfully, Ezekiel is one of the easiest because Ezekiel is really clear about where he is and when he is and what's going on. And actually, in the very beginning of the book, this is what it says. On the fifth of the month, it was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiakim. The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, by the Kibar River in the land of the Babylonians, and there the hand of the Lord was upon him. So, We know that Ezekiel is in exile in Babylon and that he is with King Jehoiakim. And therefore, when we go back to those three stages, we know that in that middle one, when the king was taken, Ezekiel was taken too. So he was taken into exile. He's still, like Jerusalem is still standing just, but Ezekiel has been taken captive in Babylon. Um, And so it's really interesting because the Babylonians had the strategy to, um, to defeat Judah, and they, they were quite intentional about who they took in that sort of first siege. And they took the people who would have the most impact on society. They took the people who actually, this is going to like really um, break the sort of moral resolve of the people, or it's going to disrupt society. And they took a large part of the army, but they also took important people. And actually, Ezekiel was probably taken because he was a priest, and because that would disrupt the structures of their society. So Ezekiel, when we meet him at the start of his book, he's living in a refugee camp. He's 1,600 miles from home in a foreign land. And this, his prophetic ministry starts five years into his exile, so five years before Jerusalem falls. Um, and he continues going, it's about 20 years or so the book goes, so it goes into the period of the captivity um, when it was further there. So... We know when and we know where. And we're going to now look at the kind of what, who, and how. We'll do that all together, because otherwise we'll be here all day. So um, everything we know about Ezekiel is in the book. He's not mentioned anywhere else, so we we kind of learn about it from the book. But there is so much we can learn about him from his book. Um, And the verse we had read to us today is a great starting point. In my 30th year, in the fourth month of the fifth day, while I was among the exiles by the Kiba River, the heavens were open and I saw visions of God. I don't know about you, but I always assumed Ezekiel was a really old man, (laughs) and he's not. He's 30. When it all begins, he's 30. And you know what? That is so significant, and I'll come to why. But this guy's been in in exile for five years, so he was only 25 when he was taken from Jerusalem and exiled, taken from his home and taken from his his calling, taken from his training to become a priest, and he's he's taken to this place where he's he's a victim, he's isolated, he's powerless, and he doesn't have all of the things that he should have, and it's all been taken from him and it's so significant that it starts when he's 30 because if he'd been in Jerusalem when he was 30 would have been when his priesthood started that would have been when he became an official priest in the temple Um, so what I think is a wonderful even in this very first verse of the whole book is that actually God still sees Ezekiel and even though what was meant to happen what should have happened what was the plan in Ezekiel's mind at least isn't going to happen God has another plan God has another purpose God calls him God sees him where he is and still calls him so through the book of Ezekiel, we learn a lot about him, and his, he's very intelligent. He really knows the scriptures inside out. He's knowledgeable. But more than that, he is really committed and committed to his calling and really faithful to it. God calls him to prophesy at such a difficult time with such a difficult message um, and, and in, these, in these really challenging circumstances, and he does, and he does it. 
And Ezekiel is not just called to give a message, but he's called to live the message. Probably more than any of the other prophets, he, sort of, he gives of himself personally by living out the prophetic symbolism in complete obedience to God. Now, it's a bit of an odd book when we just read it at face value. There's a lot going on. It, there's a lot of metaphor and symbolism. There's, there's lots of like parable-like stories um, and ideas, and there's a lot of vivid imagery. And a lot of it is Ezekiel's um, word or God's word through Ezekiel. But there's also a number of symbolic acts that Ezekiel lives out, that Ezekiel does, representing what has happened, what's happening, and what will happen. And one of the commentaries I read described it as street theatre with a prophetic message. <laughs> so he's like, he's doing this stuff where people will see him to get the message out. And among other things, he, at one point he lies on his side for over a year in the street, sort of representing the scapegoat on the Day of Atonement. And there's another, this one's a bit unpleasant, but hey, we're friends. Um, he eats food, food cooked over poo to emphasise that um, they're, they're one day the cities are going to run out of food and fuel. Um, at one point, he cuts off all his hair and he throws it and scatters it in all different directions. Um, and it's to show how everyone will be scattered. Everyone will be exiled like him. So there's a lot going on. <laughs> it's a tricky book to read. There's lots of interesting stuff to go. And that's the kind of the case for all prophetic books. So as we think about how we read it, um, I'd, I'd encourage us to, to you know, be willing to grapple with it a bit and look into a bit deeper. Sometimes it's helpful to use a commentary or find out a little bit more about it. There's some really great videos um, online that I watched this week that sort of unpack it. Maybe I'll try and post a few on Facebook in case anyone wants to watch them. Um, but I just really want to encourage us, when we read Ezekiel, when we read the prophets, it's quite helpful to remember the big picture, because we can sometimes get caught up in some of the detail of some of the stuff that was very specific, whereas actually, most of the time, we see those big themes. We see how the prophets are trying to call people to repentance. They're reminding people of God's love for them and God's desire to have a relationship with them, and more often than not, the, the kind of it's about the idolatry of the people and pulling them back to God, um, and, and also, often, they're full of the kind of warnings of the consequences like what's going to happen if you don't do this um, and then sometimes that all happens <laughs> um, and then often most often this prophets also will often have like a this is what it will be like here's the hope here's the promise here's of what's coming um, and um, Ezekiel covers all of that Ezekiel is kind of it's actually very straightforward He's, he seems quite an ordered person whereas Jeremiah you kind of dot around and you're sort of like I don't know where I am anymore in Jeremiah Ezekiel's very clear the first part is this sort of accusations against Israel, telling them what's, what's the problem, how the covenant's been broken. Then it's sort of the judgments, what's going to happen, this is, this is what will happen. And then the last chunk of Ezekiel from 34 to 48 is the sort of hope. What's to come? What promise is there? And I think if you know any of Ezekiel chapters... If you're anything like me, the ones you know are probably those at the end. Um, so like the Valley of the Dry Bones is in the end. Um, the one where... Um, God says, I will give you a new heart. I will take your heart of stone and give you a home of flesh. Heart, sorry, heart of flesh. Um, and so those, those bits are all in that last section. Um, and the other thing I'd encourage you to look for in the prophets and in Ezekiel is Jesus. Because so often he's there. So often, sometimes really explicit prophecies about the coming Messiah and, and often really implicit kind of he's there. He's a thread that runs through all of the prophets. So... Good news. We've covered five of the six. We've got one left to do. Um, it's a big one. 
why? Why? Why bother reading a book like this um, that's slightly confusing <laughs> and from a very long time ago? And, you know, we, we do live in a different specific, you know, different place now. We have Jesus. Things are a bit different. Um, I think there are a lot of reasons why it's great to study this kind of thing and grapple with it. But actually, I think a big reason to read the book of Ezekiel is because at its heart, the heart of this book, there is a God who desperately loves his people and a human trying to be faithful and trying to do the right thing. And I think whatever, kind of wherever we're at, in one way or another, we can kind of relate to that. And I think there's a lot in it that we can learn that will encourage us and challenge us. Even in those early chapters, I'm just going to unpack a couple of the things in those early chapters, I think that we can take to encourage us and challenge us. Um, you know, Ezekiel is in a position where he is completely trapped by his circumstances. It's, it's totally beyond his control what's happened. He has lost so much that is important to him. And he's not doing the thing he truly believed he was called to do. He can't do the thing that he, you know, he's like, I genuinely thought God had this for me. And it's been stolen away. And he's, he's kind of right there by, in a, you know, in a foreign country by a river. And God meets him and God calls him. God sees him in that space, in those circumstances, in that situation of not being where he feels he should be. God still sees him and has a plan for him. And what's, I think, more amazing for, we kind of, in some ways, we're sort of a bit, um, we get that, you know, God speaks to us, doesn't he? Wherever we happen to be, we know God speaks. Ezekiel thought God was only in the temple in Jerusalem, 1,600 miles away. He was like, that's where God lives. You know, God stays there. God is in the temple. And he's, he's by a river and he meets with God. How incredible must that have been for him? And I think sometimes we lose that, that kind of wonder that God meets us everywhere and anywhere and God is with us in all things. And so I believe one way or another we're all able to relate to that with Ezekiel because I think maybe, you know, maybe some of us are trapped in circumstances that we have no control over. Maybe we're, we feel that we've we've lost something or something's been taken to us or the thing that we thought was the thing is not the thing and it's not there anymore and um, you you know perhaps you you believe that God can't be where you are now he can't be here you know th this is too much for him this is too bad for him or this is too tricky or whatever it might be and I really want to encourage you this morning through this idea that God was with Ezekiel by that river and he is with you in your situation and he's with you in your circumstances and he sees you and he wants to speak to you and he still has plans for you and there's really beautiful words and imagery in these first couple of chapters um, of Ezekiel and um, this is one of the ones that we had read where, where God says um, son of man stand to your feet I will speak to you as he spoke the spirit came into me and raised me to my feet and I heard him speaking just to say that son of man that's repeated, it's really interesting because I, I hear it and I think of Jesus because Jesus uses it in the Gospels. But at this point in Ezekiel's writing, it doesn't have that connotation. Um, that's kind of one of the later prophets kind of turns it around and, and adds an additional meaning of the coming Messiah. At this point, I love this, when they hear that kind of phrasing of son of man that's being used in this place, it's basically just saying human being. Hey, you, human, kind of thing. And actually, it's even got like a phrasing of um, almost insignificance about it. Like, it, he, could he could be just anyone. It's just anyone, just another human being. Um, and it's really emphasizing the humanity of Ezekiel, that he's just anyone. He's just anyone. And yet, 
God sees him. He's just anyone, and yet God sees him, and therefore so he is someone. Um, And later on, the prophets do kind of make that change to the Son of Man, and then obviously Jesus uses it, which is wonderful. But here it's common. He's just anyone. Um, And I, I love this little bit here. And God says to Ezekiel, stand on your feet, and I'll speak to you. But it then immediately says, as he spoke, the Spirit came and raised me to my feet. As God called, the Spirit equipped. And it wasn't like a one and then the other. It happened, it came together. Um, And it's that almost um, immediacy of saying, as God is calling me to stand up, God, you know, the Holy Spirit lifts me. The Holy Spirit strengthens me. The Holy Spirit gives me what I need. Now, that is definitely not to say that we won't ever experience challenges, because we will. That's just a given. I'm sorry, it's life. But the reality is from the moment of the call, from the second we seek the Lord, the Holy Spirit is there equipping us, filling us, encouraging us, giving us what we need. And I don't know about you, but I know I need that strengthening. I need that equipping. I need that lifting up. We all do in every day. I think some of us perhaps... Perhaps at the kind of end of the six weeks holidays, some of us might really, really need that. Um, and some of us, perhaps, if you're about to go back into a school year. Um, but whatever your circumstance, we need that, don't we? We need that equipping, that strengthening, whatever our situation. We need the Holy Spirit, but we also need God's word. And in the start of chapter three, we have another slightly odd symbolic moment <laughs> um, where God says, son of man, eat this scroll I'm giving you and fill your stomach with it. So I ate it and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. Um, it's in it all happening in a vision at this point. This isn't, a, this isn't a physical thing that he eats the scroll. It's part of the vision. But God says, eat this, eat my words, eat what I'm giving you, let it fill you, let it nourish you, let it give you what you need, take it in, you know, digest it, let it give you what you need it to be, like we need food to survive. And God is saying, take my words, take my words and use it to survive. And it's not going to be a bitter thing. And it's not, you know, it's not even just a bit nice. It's like the sweetest possible thing. Um, you know, it's... Um, uh, in Psalm 119, it talks about the, the, the word, your word is, a, sorry, your word is like honey on my lips. Um, and the, the Lord's word is sweet to us and we need it to survive. So even just in these two short chapters, we've been reminded of so much about what is sort of core, deeply important spiritual truths. I think also we can be inspired by Ezekiel's calling Um, And I don't think it's very different from all of our own. Because Ezekiel was called to be among his people. Um, He wasn't kind of picked up and sent somewhere, like Jonah, which is a whole other brilliant story. Um, But he was called to be in with your people, be among your people. He's not sent somewhere else. And I think for most of us, that's, that's where we're called to be too. Occasionally, yes, we do get called to go elsewhere. Some people do. But for the most part, I think we are called to serve and live and love and be light right here, right where you are, in the spaces you already are, with your family and your friends and your colleagues and your neighbours, being that in our communities, being God's salt and light in our communities. And actually, the reality is, I wonder if that's sometimes harder than going anywhere else. Um, and I think, you know, God goes on to reassure Ezekiel so many times through these early chapters of like, don't be afraid, you can do this, come on. He says four times, he says, don't be afraid. Um, and God says he'll strengthen Ezekiel so he can follow his call. But he also urges Ezekiel to just do what he's called to do. Just do the bit that you're called to do and be the person you're called to be. 
And it says this, and whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are a rebellious people, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And I think it's so important for all of us, we have to remember, we can only do what we can do. We can only do what we can do, what we're called to do, to live and serve and give and love and be light and be salt. Whether or not people respond to that is, is, is not up to you. You can't control that. And we kind of need to just hold on to the bit that we can do and do it as well we can in faithfulness just as Ezekiel did. But we do need to be real because alongside all of these wonderful encouragements in the book, there is also huge challenges and consequences for sinfulness and idolatry. Um, And, you know, there's a a lot going on there. And we need to recognize that too. Um, And the gospel reading that we had read to us um, from Mark 12, Jesus does similar in a parable. He kind of outlines, actually, you know, you need to be faithful. You need to do the things that you've been called to do because otherwise um, there's going to be consequences for that. Um, And Jesus outlines that in that parable too. And so, you know, both these passages are reminding us that actually there is a time of judgment and and that's important for us to, you know, to remember. But also within that, there will be then a time of renewal and a time of promised hope for those who are faithful and those who hold on. And I love, this is the final verse of Ezekiel, and I'm really annoyed because I didn't change the, <laughs> change the um, reference, but it's uh, 48 verse 35. It's the final verse. After all the kind of extensive symbolism, all of the messages, the culmination of all of this whole book is a vision of the new city, a vision of the new Jerusalem that God will build. And this is it. It says, in the name of that city from that time on will be, the Lord is there. And that's the promise. The promise is that the Lord is there, that the Lord is with his people. The Lord is with you. Whatever your circumstance, whatever your call, whether you're by a river, whether, you know, wherever you might be. And I think for a lot of us right now, it feels quite a scary time. It feels quite an unsettled time. You know, the world is doesn't feel as safe as it did. And I know that some of us, there's real uncertainty about the months ahead And I think I just want to say, you know, practically, if you are really genuinely feeling scared, you know, particularly like, how am I going to feed my kids or feed myself? Or, you know, if those are genuine concerns that you have, I really beg you to share that with someone here because we can come alongside you and be with you in that. Because I think we are in a really really scary time. The world is in a, in a difficult place. Things do feel very like this sort of position of Ezekiel's in where things have been ripped out and changed and we've lost things. Um, and so I really want to encourage you um, just right now in this situation, whatever you're feeling, whatever you're facing, he is with us. He is with us just as he was with Ezekiel and he wants to fill us with his spirit and with his words of affirmation. And even in that, he wants to call us. He wants to equip us for purpose. But most importantly, he's with us. He's there. The Lord is there. He's here. So that's the introduction to Ezekiel. Um, And there's lots to learn over the coming weeks. Um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to move into a bit more worship. And Rachel and I will be praying and just listening and seeing what God has for us this morning. Um, I do believe, I hope that, you know, something in that has spoken to you and caught you. Perhaps there's just a moment where God has caught you. And if that's the case, we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to stand with you in that. Um, 